Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and uh, open up to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Go ahead and grab that. We want to make sure everyone's got a copy of God's Word uh, in front of them. Joshua 23. And... um, this is, this is going to be it for our Joshua Study Church, but um, as we consider uh, the 12 weeks we have been through the book of Joshua, my prayer is that you will have read through this with me as we've gone through the text of Scripture, um, as we've gone through the narrative of Joshua. And if you haven't, I challenge you to do so, and if you have, I challenge you to do it again. Because where we falter is if we simply read Scripture through one time or teach through it one time and fail to come back again to renew and refresh and refocus again on the truth of God's Word. And as we've navigated this series as a whole, this has been our theme. God is bigger. And uh, I've really been... Honestly, this is one of the things I've been looking forward to most is having everyone together at once and being able to hear the resonance of us saying this statement powerfully together as one body, one people, Uh, even though we've been saying it kind of as a group of 40 to 60 at 8 a.m. and the rest of us at 1030 to hear it all at once, because this is the teaching. This is this is the whole of the narrative of Joshua is that God's people would recognize the sovereignty and the size of the God they serve and that it would result in a boldness. It would result in an attitude of joy as we consider no matter what trials we encounter, we can hold to this truth. So church, I want to count to three and I want to hear you proclaim this truth that God is bigger. And I want you to blow me away, okay? This is, this is the moment, this is the final week we're going to do this uh, during this series. Though I'll probably call on you to do it again, okay? And the same for those of you online, we count to three. I want you to proclaim this in your living room or in your car or wherever you're listening to this right now that uh, we would uh, hold true to this together. Okay, so here we go. You ready? One, two, three. Amen. Father, we proclaim that today. And hearing the resonance of that, Lord, uh, may we proclaim that and may it resonate in the community you've placed us in right here in Fulton County, Illinois. May that resonate throughout the world as we pray that the gospel would go forth to all nations, that disciples would be made and equipped, and that your name would be glorified above all else. Father, this morning, 
As we finish up this series in Joshua, may you open our eyes and as we reflect upon the reminders, the commands and the warnings that Joshua gives to his people, gives to the the nation of Israel. May we recognize our own need for these reminders and commands and warnings. Lord, for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Church, today you have one main challenge and it's this. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will devote yourself to. Now the interesting thing about a challenge like this is that it's not merely individual in nature. We can read a challenge like this and we go, I have application for this in my own personal life right now. Asking the question this day, who do I choose to serve? But even maybe more importantly, this is a corporate question for us to ask and one that we're going to see was asked specifically to the nation of Israel as a whole. Who this day, church, will we choose to serve? And it shows up in how we live. Now, Joshua 23, in verses 1 and 2, it says this, A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding Enemies and Joshua was old. Everyone say old. He was old and well advanced in years. Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. I want you to stop for a moment and think about times in your life where you have heard the final words of someone close to you. To pause for a moment and think about that. Many of us have this. Whether those are final words before someone leaves and has a major life change, whether it's final words before someone passes away, there's something powerful about that, isn't there? There's something that sticks with you longer than others when we stop and we reflect on final words spoken. Now, in the scheme of the narrative of Joshua here, These are really Joshua's final words. Years and years and years of faithfulness devoted to the Lord. You see, Joshua had been present in the nation of Israel even during the wandering in the desert. See, the nation of Israel had come to the promised land once before but failed in obedience to the Lord. Therefore, a whole generation died off. Yet Joshua and Caleb remained. Not only then, but then Joshua takes command as per the command of the Lord after Moses. And Joshua then leads the nation of Israel into conquest and victory within the promised land. And as we saw in prior chapters, God gave rest to them on every side. And so this last section picks up years later where it says a long time afterwards. When the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, Joshua is old. And what does he do? He calls the nation of Israel and its leaders around him and prepares to say these things. He summoned all Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges and officers and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. So today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself in that setting. I want you to imagine right now that you're a part of the nation of Israel as a whole, standing in the presence of Joshua, 
who's old in years, but has proven to be faithful to the commands of the Lord. And you're listening in, you're leaning in, in a sense, to go, what is it that he's going to say? I want you to put yourself in that setting, and I'm going to read the words of Joshua, and we're going to unpack them a little more. I'm going to start at verse 3. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to fight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. And go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then... The anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Now, I want to break this down a little bit for you this morning, church, as we think about the commands, the reminders and the warnings that Joshua gave all in the scope of this challenge. Choose this day whom you will serve. The first thing Joshua gives, he gives a couple of reminders to the people The Lord fought for you. It is the Lord who fought for you. In verse 3 and verses 9 and 10, He reminds the people of the victory that came. Not of their own strength, not of their own power, not of their own volition, but of the Lord's. 
It is the Lord who fights for his people. And ultimately, church, it is the Lord who is victorious over the enemies of the world. And goodness, if you and I take into our own hands, separate from the Lord, the enemies that lie around, we will fail. Why? Because it is the Lord who fights for His purposes. And He has called His people to faithfulness. He has called His people to root into that which He has established, trusting that He is God. And trusting that the Lord is the one who fought for you and He will continue. Church, the most visible promise of the Lord fighting for you today is the sacrifice of Jesus. Do you see that? That the Lord saw you in the state of your sin. Romans 5, 8 says, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Literally fought Death for you. Do not lose sight that it is the Lord who fights for His people. Secondly, that He reminds them of this. The Lord fulfilled His promises to you. Speaking of the nation of Israel, the Lord has been faithful to do all. Everyone say all. All that God promised to them, He brought to fruition. Now, in the grand scheme of this, we have to recognize that God did not do this on the people's timing. How many of you today would say, I'd really like it if God would do things on my timeline? Come on, be honest. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're all lying. (laughs) Just being honest. Because all of us feel that way, right? All of us would be like, God, this would be so much easier if you would just get on my, my page. You can do this my way. That's not how God works. And the great promise in the midst of that church is it's better His way. It's better His way. The Lord fulfilled His promises to you. The nation of Israel had seen God do this in such an amazing, miraculous way as they walked around the walls of Jericho and yelled and the walls fell in. As they stepped into battles where they were drastically outnumbered. And the Lord was faithful. Why? Because the Lord had promised to bring it to be. Church, when we understand the promises of the Lord, we have nothing to fear. Because the promises of the Lord are a guarantee. The problem arises when we say what we think the promises of the Lord should be. The Lord fulfilled His promises to the nation of Israel. The Lord will fulfill His promises to His people. It's a guarantee. Now, there aren't just reminders in the midst of this text in chapter 23. He also gives them commands. Keep the word of the Lord. And he doesn't just say that. He uses strong language in verse 6. Look at what that says. Therefore, be very strong. Everyone say, very strong. It's not just 
Be faithful. It's not just be strong. No, be very strong to keep the commandments of the Lord. And not only keep them. Be very strong to keep and to what? To do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. That you may not mix with these nations remaining among you. There's something that we need to recognize about the word of God, church. The word of God is put in place for our protection. When we come to the word of God, if we as a people decide we're going to pick and choose what we want out of the word of God then we forfeit the protections and the promises that God Himself has made clear. The reality is, it's not just a piece of the Word of God that He's called His people to follow after. It's the whole counsel of the Word of God. We believe all Scripture, everyone say all, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Be very strong to keep and to do all. Now, here's another gospel intersection, church. When we look at the whole of what Scripture says, and we look at all that God has commanded us to do and to be, we very clearly see the depth of our sin. Because it doesn't take me long to read in Scripture to find various, numerous passages where I fail every day. You might go, well, that's not very good news. You're right. And this is exactly why we have to remind each other of our need for the gospel every single day. When we get out of bed to stop for a moment and go, what is the greatest promise that has been fulfilled for us? It is in Christ. That my motivation to step into this day is rooted in the promise that sin and death has no power over my Savior. And that I have been given the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, lives in me. And that becomes my motivation to walk and to do all that God has called me to do. And goodness, when I fail, I hold tight to the promise that there is forgiveness when I confess my sin and turn from that and move further, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Be very strong, church. Be very diligent in keeping the word of the Lord. The second command he gives to them in verse 8. You shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. I'll never forget when we, uh, there was, I think it was 2008 or 2009. I think it was 2008. We took a trip to uh, Colorado as a family. And one of the things that we did there was a high ropes course. Has anyone ever done one of those? A high ropes course. There's cables. There's, there's literally all these things that sit like 30 to 50 feet above the ground in the trees. And you, you're harnessed in 
And you do all these various activities, like there's a ladder you can walk across and there's nothing underneath of you. You're just attached to another cable with your harness. And let me tell you, the first couple times you slip, you cling to that harness really tightly. And especially if you get someone who's fearful of heights, man, they're up there and their knees are, they're, they're doing this and then that makes it worse because everything starts swaying. And they're just clinging for life to this cable. Why? Because their security is found in that harness. When we see in Scripture that there's a command for you and I to cling to the Lord, why should we do that? Because He is the only constant source that we can root into Regardless of what's happening around us. Everything can shift. The trees can move. The wind can blow. The waves can crash. And we know there is security in our God. So there's a command not just to do what the Word of the Lord says, but to literally cling to the Lord with all that you have. And in order for us to accomplish that, that means we have to let go of the things that are giving us some false source of hope or security. The things that may look like they are tied off well, but they're just waiting to break. Things like finances, money, possessions, our own physical health. We could go on and on about a list. You have to choose to cling to the only thing that will never be shaken. Choose this day whom you will serve. Thirdly, in verse 11, he commands them this. Be careful. Everyone say careful. Be, he actually says be very careful. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Love the Lord, church. Don't just say you follow the Lord. Choose to love the Lord. And if this takes care for you to do, it means it has to be active, not passive. I can't passively be careful about something. If you're around something that has potential to cause you harm or danger, you need to actively be careful. And I'm here to tell you, church, there is so much that threatens to get in the way of your relationship and love for the Lord. It is not hard to find things that put a wedge between you and the Lord. And the Lord's faithfulness never changes, but our faithfulness to Him does. Because we allow other things to intersect and get in the way. Be careful to love the Lord. Some of you might say, practically, how do I do that? Be careful to spend time with the Lord. Be careful to seek the Lord when you're in trial and when you're in seasons of joy. Be careful to seek the Lord for wisdom. Not when you're at your wit's end and everything else has failed, but at the very beginning. Be careful 
to pray to the Lord. Be careful to love the Lord. Now at all of this, Joshua warns them two times in the midst of all of this. Because the Lord had been faithful. And the nation had experienced great prosperity as God had promised them in the promised land. And yet Joshua leaves them with a very specific warning. Right after verse 11, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and you make marriages with them, which we talked about last week was according to God's law in Deuteronomy, God was not okay with. Why? Because that would lead them to worship and serve the gods of these nations rather than the one true God. Make marriages with them so that they associate You associate with them and they with you. Verse 13, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Again, in 15 and 16, just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and you go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly off of this good land. Here's the warning, church. God is a God of love, but He's also a God of justice. God is a God of grace, but He is also a jealous God. And too often in our current culture, we talk about the grace and the love of God without actually spending time recognizing that He will bring into account any pursuit that goes contrary to what He has called you to as His people. That means if there comes a day as a church body that we no longer are following after the Word of the Lord, as our ultimate authority. There comes a day that you and I are no longer proclaiming the true gospel. We should expect nothing less than for God to wipe us completely out as a church family. And this is why, church, we need mutual accountability. This is why, church, church discipline exists. This is why, church, we have to constantly come back to a place where we refocus our attentions and our eyes on Him who has brought us this far. Amen? Because there is a warning in this. There's a warning that if we forsake the commands of the Lord, if we move after and pursue the things of the world instead of the things that are eternal, God will bring about judgment On us as His people. And in fact, if you keep reading in the Old Testament, God did just that. Why? Because God is true to His Word. In chapter 24, 
I want to summarize the first 13 verses for you. Verse 1, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads of the judges and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And then Joshua goes on to recount. He goes on to recount all that had transpired. All that transpired even before Abraham. Abraham was who God made a covenant with clear back in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 15. He promised to build a nation through Abraham's lineage. And so Joshua recounts all the way back to Terah, the father of Abraham. And then details God's faithfulness year after year after year. Season after season after season. Great is His faithfulness. And when he finishes recounting all that the Lord had done, he shifts to a very specific challenge to his people. And this challenge is where we intersect with this main challenge for you today. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will devote yourself to. Church, this is where I want us to answer this question, not just individually, but corporately together. Now, there's an application that comes with this, but before we move into that point of application, we need to pause for a moment and we need to proclaim together the faithfulness of the Lord as we look at where we have come. As we look at generation after generation, grasp this, church family, in December of next year, December of 2022, this church body will celebrate 100 years in this community. 100 years. And I want you to stop. In the midst of all the trial that has been experienced in a hundred years, there is no one in our midst today who has been here for all a hundred years. But I want you to stop and consider the faithfulness of God to bring us to the place we are right now. The faithful people, generation after generation, that He has used, and yet what remains, He does. Church family, there are generations yet to come. There will be a day, unless if the Lord tarries, there will be a day that comes when you and I are no longer here. What course are we setting for the next generation? Whom will we choose to serve this day? Who is it that we will choose to serve? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And here's what we're going to do, okay? <clears throat> we're going to sing two songs that speak about the Lord's faithfulness. And during these two songs, here's what I want to happen, okay? 
I want to make sure before these songs are completely done, because we got one more section of this morning. I want to make sure we get all of our kids in here, too, because we're going to do something together. Originally, originally, the plan was and we're going to do this at another time. But God determined that today wasn't going to be that day. Originally, um, as you leave, if you leave today out the east door, if you look over towards the south, there's a huge rock sitting there in the grass. And that rock is going to be a stone of witness for us as we proclaim this day. Who do we choose to serve? So we're going to do that at another time, but we're going to do something also really impactful this morning while it's pouring rain. So during this song, if you if you're a parent and you have kids in the nursery or in children's church, I want you to I want you to get them. I want you to bring them in. okay? and then I'm going to I'm going to end up having all the kids up here after these couple of songs. And and I'm going to challenge us with something a little more specific. okay? so. Two songs. We're going to sing this first song. Parents, I want you to get your kids. I want you to bring them in. And don't worry, nursery workers may be a little confused. This was not planned because the rain wasn't planned. Um, I want to get all of our all of our workers, our children's ministry workers, all of our people. I want in here together. Okay. And we're going to sing these couple of songs, and then we're going to answer this question: Who this day do we choose that we're going to serve together? Would you stand with me? Father, we come to you today. And we desire to be a people who would serve you. Lord, who would be devoted to you and what you have called us to do and to be, to be faithful to your commandments, not only to know them, but to do them. Lord, may you open our eyes to your faithfulness generation after generation. Lord, may you help us to fix our eyes fully on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We pray this all through his name. Amen.